and recording. Oh, I have to, there we go. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Tonight, the digital table is half full uh, with myself, Lauren, and David. Hello, everybody. In this episode, uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving at the time of this recording, Thanksgiving tomorrow, so we will be discussing the Indigenous Day of Mourning. Uh, we'll be kind of talking back and forth and having a conversation about it. So without further ado, uh, let's get started. So before we get started, we just want to do a quick land acknowledgement. Uh, we are coming together over Zoom, but we are in uh, New England. So we just wanted to do a quick acknowledgement of land. So I would like to begin by acknowledging that I am in Massachusetts. Uh, it's right on the ancestral land of the unceded territory of the Wampanoag and the Massachusetts people. Uh, this is land that has been invaded by English people for over 400 years, unfortunately. And it's one of the central places for what we're going to be talking about today. Where are you at, David? And I live in... Rhode Island. So the territory that I'm currently occupying is on the ancestral grounds of the Narragansett tribes. And so as we record today and we talk about this podcast, we remember how they are stewards of the land and how they cared for the land before it was occupied by Europeans and how they still occupy land today and how they are still stewards of the earth and how they are still fighting for the respect and acknowledgement that they deserve. Yeah, so let's get into it. Um, I think it's also fair to mention that we are both white and talking about indigenous um, issues and culture and history from a place of being as educated as humanly possible, but we do not share that culture. We don't share that uh, trauma that Indigenous people have gone through for the past hundreds of years. So if anyone out there has anything to add, we would love to hear the emails and the tweets. We are always here to learn and we're doing this out of the utmost respect. Uh, what we do, we take this very seriously and we do, you know, just want to put that tidbit in there. We are doing the best we can, but we do acknowledge that we are not um, facing the racism, sexism, uh, colonialism that, you know, these hundreds of thousands of people all across the United States and beyond are dealing with. Right. And we have not had to deal with the historical, um, or the other repercussions of those acts of colonialism and the, the issues that they face today. So, um, everything we're going to talk about is trying to put their arguments and their voices in perspective of history and of the popular memory that we remember tomorrow as, because everyone has a different interpretation of what Thanksgiving, at least in the United States means, or we've talked about some of the history of Thanksgiving um, for most Americans who acknowledge Thanksgiving today of getting together with families, celebrating and enjoying each other's company and getting ready for that winter time. And for the indigenous people of the United States, when they get together, 
on Thursday, 24th, which is the national day of mourning. Um, it's not a day of embracing and joy. It's a day of remembering um, the day where their land started to be taken away from them without their consent um, or through manipulation. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe just to start off, I'll just give a history of why, I guess, some context. Um, I'm privileged enough to work in Plymouth. Um, I work in Thanksgiving Town, and I am privileged to work and have been interacting with amazing historians on both sides of the story. And I work maybe a five minute walk away from the day of mourning uh, that happens every year. Um, unfortunately, I've not been lucky enough to join them, uh, mostly because of my own ignorance and I don't want to go as a non-Indigenous person and, you know, <laughs> make any stereotypes worse. Um, however, they do an amazing job. Uh, and so many of the Wampanoag people who are the primary um, kind of cultivators of this day of mourning are absolutely incredible. The Mashpee, uh, the Aquina, the Herring Pond, Wampanoag groups are absolutely amazing. Um, if anyone is ever in Massachusetts, I highly recommend going to the Mashpee Wampanoag Museum. Uh, they are incredible. They are so just open to talking and spreading knowledge. I mean, there's so many people that say to me as they go through this museum, I had no idea because this isn't what they teach us in school. We don't know anything besides the pilgrim showed up in these natives were so nice and they had dinner together. And next thing you know, the American Revolution happened and these natives are erased from our history through the stories that we're telling. But so just for some background, uh, so Thanksgiving is based off loosely off of the first Thanksgiving that happened between the English uh, pilgrims in Plymouth and the Wampanoag people of Southeastern Massachusetts. Uh, we know close to nothing about that event besides it was three days long. Uh, there was about 50 pilgrim people most of which were under the age of 18 or were women or both. And we know that Massasoit or Usamequin, the leader of the Poconoket Wampanoag in uh, present day Bristol, Rhode Island actually, Dave, uh, that's where he was, his home base was. He and at least 90 other people joined the English for this first Thanksgiving. And that story really blows up during the Civil War. Uh, we talk about this, we have a Thanksgiving episode, so I, we can go in more detail if you wanna look over there or talk to us, this isn't really the point, but just some context of what's going on here. So the Wampanoag people are the people seen as the greeters of the pilgrims. So the pilgrims show up on Wampanoag land. We know that they were on Patuxent land. Um, Squanto to Squantum was a Patuxent Wampanoag. And we know that they, the pilgrims could have been just tossed right into the ocean if they wanted to. Um, but 
the Wampanoag don't do that. They teach them how to use fish for fertilizer, how to plant corn, how to feed themselves, how not to die, essentially. And the two signed a treaty in 1621 for mutual aid, mostly. That treaty, with bumps in the road that we can get into at another time, uh, that treaty lasts for about 50 years until the cultivation during King Philip's War, which again is a episode that I would love to do all on its own. It deserves its own spotlight. But the first generation seemed to be pretty peaceful. The second generation is an all-out war. We see during the Pilgrim era, that first generation, one Pilgrim, Edward Winslow, seems to be pretty close to Usamequin. He goes and helps him when he's sick. Cut to 50 years later when Edward Winslow's son is putting Usamequin's son Metacomet's head on a pike at the end of the war. That's an overgeneralization of what happens, but it's important to remember that our history is not just this feast that happened, not just, I hate using the word, but oh, the Indians are our friends. It's so much more complicated than that. And the more you look at the indigenous history, especially of the Wampanoag people who started this, it's really eye-opening and it's really important to tell a full story to look at the bigger picture and not just what is clean or safe or what we're used to. Not only that, um, it's not just that, but also the day of mourning starts in the 1970, starts in 1970, which is a massive, um, it's in the middle of a massive movement of the indigenous people to also have their own civil rights. This is their own civil rights movement, which is accompanied by the Red Power Movement, the uh, American Indian Movement, also called AIM. Um, but it's also during the 1970s during the Alcatraz occupation when the day of mourning starts. So you have the Alcatraz occupation, which starts in 1969 on November 20th. And the following year, you have the celebration of the year anniversary of that occupation coinciding with the day of mourning. Um, typically, the day of mourning from the amount of research I've done is traditionally only practiced in New England, whereas the West Coast has um, Indigenous Peoples Thanksgiving, which celebrates um, the, the start of the Alcatraz occupation, which is November 20th. Um, so you have both these things going on and it makes sense on really why the day of mourning starts when it does. Um, it's part of that extension of we're here. These are the problems that we have and it's time for our story to be said, um, which leads into Frank James uh, Wamsuta um, and his speech that talks about self-determination, getting away from the reservations. If we're going to keep these, it needs to be a good standard, um, which he's a Wapanog. And originally Plymouth was going to have him included in the Thanksgiving festivities until they write a speech and thought it was too revolutionary to publish out. Um, 
which then leads to him saying, no, this is not radical. We should be saying this. And if you're not going to, if you're not going to let me say it, I'm going to publish it, which is what he does in the American Indian movement aim picks up, picks up the story and members travel in order to start this demonstration around 200 indigenous people show up for the first one and lead um, the protests. Um, Lauren, I don't know if that's, if it's grown since then, or if it's bigger now, I think you can attest that a little bit more. Yeah. So even on, um, there's a website, um, it's the United American Indians of New England. And I mean, they're busting people in. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Even over uh, the pandemic, I think something like 1600 people uh, zoomed in for this because it's just, you know, it's just so European American what happens in uh, 1970, because while these indigenous groups are, you know, having their, you know, their red power, their civil rights, um, Alcatraz, things like that, um, that's the 350th anniversary of the Mayflower landing. And these European Americans want this nice parade and they want this, um man uh Wapsuda James to you know have his speech and they say that's too radical we just wanted to hear about you know how good friends they were so if you could either not say that at all or can we write you something else is incredible because looking at his speech he is um He's quoting the primary sources from the time period. He's saying nothing that is outlandish. It's straight facts from the sources. But because it's not the um, Thanksgiving excerpt, our governor um, sent four men fouling, blah, 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 blah. Um, It's dirty and it's talking about enslaving indigenous bodies it's talking about you know stealing corn and grave robbing and it's the ugly side of the pilgrim history that people don't want to know about so he's just saying they're admitting to it they're talking about grave robbing my people but it's not in the european american anglo-saxon you know, we love the Pilgrims 350th anniversary mindset that they want. But this, yeah, so to take the long route, it's definitely growing. Uh, it's the entire of, it's on Coles Hill in Plymouth. It's right by Plymouth Rock. And it's it seems as if it grows every year. I know after um, the 1997 um, demonstration, they didn't have to get permits anymore to have uh, their parade, but 1970 and until 1979, they one had to have petitions, permits in order to do their parade, but also the police cracked down hard on them. I don't know if moves 
in that community have changed since then about people accepting the day of mourning? I, as a white person, I'm not sure, but just from my perspective, the town of Plymouth got sued because they were saying, where are your permits? And then they looked at, you know, other parades. I mean, even um, at the time of recording last Saturday, Plymouth had their giant Thanksgiving parade. And I believe even on Thanksgiving day, the, I think it's uh, Mayflower descendants have some sort of parade or something. And, um, you know, the Wampanoag and other indigenous people that were there said, well, they don't have a permit. How is it different? And then ended up going to court and the Wampanoag people won. So I think people, I don't know if people are more just, they know that's happening, they're used to it, or they have to be because they got, they, the town of Plymouth lost a lawsuit. It was really damning for the town to see just the blatant racism that was going on. Right. And I, I knew I was, I was doing some research about one, the first day of morning, which is 1970. Um, and then afterwards, there's a lot of issues between people in the community and the demonstration afterwards in 1972, uh, a woman is attacked by police in 1997. There's the court settlement, but the prelude to the court settlement was 25 people were arrested by the police um, over demonstration and for not being there with a permit. Um, so in the settlement was one, they don't need a permit in order to demonstrate, but also the 25 people that were there were not charged with any crimes. Um, Right. It all really came to a head. You may have just said this, but yeah, 1997, 25 indigenous people are arrested in Plymouth for um, not having a permit to be there. So it's, and yeah, that's when it all just comes to a head. So I don't know. I mean, I think I, I would like to believe that people are now being more open-minded and supportive of you know indigenous people any people of color uh but i feel like that's a little bit too optimistic unfortunately that but i'm a pessimist and that kind of stuff i get that after the amount of stuff that you know we read after a certain amount of time it's like it's the same thing over and over again and working somewhere where we have the indigenous story and seeing the amount of people like visitors come through with that mindset with that what's a you know the Indians weren't in their costumes which is like so many levels of not okay to say um or people don't look native enough for these people or they come in with their Pocahontas and they're yeah my grandmother was a Cherokee princess they're stereotypes I guess it's kind of easy to be a little bit pessimistic about <laughs> people but I don't know I mean right now I've seen I mean I follow some places and they're saying you know the future is indigenous so I'm hoping it'll keep going I mean especially with the the indigenous people of they call it turtle island North America I mean they had to figure it out they were doing it right this entire time where us Europeans are the ones that came over and now the world's 
you know, burning, but. Literally and figuratively sometimes. Um, But I also know in years past, there's been certain um, issues that they raise up. And from one of the things I'm looking at for this year, um, they want to potentially address the Indian Child Welfare Act, the ICWA, um, the Missing and Murder Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit People, the MMIWG2S, um, along with other colonial struggles that are going on still in other places of the world that the United States is implicated in or is directly uh, responsible for. So even today, they still use this parade in this demonstration and this acknowledging of their past to also showcase these things are not overcome yet. We're still dealing with these issues and these need to be fixed in order for these need to be fixed. Right. It's not just, you know, something bad happened 400 years ago and that, but now everything's fine. This is still going on. And um, one of the directors at the museum that I work at, um, he's a Quino Wampanoag. Um, he sent out a really helpful uh, kind of pamphlet with a bunch of links to supporting, you know, the things that you just talked about. Um, I'll put those in the show notes because it's really helpful because there's so much information out there. Um, and also I'll probably, I'll try to link or I'll at least cite it. There's a, um, the Wapanog Reclama- Language Reclamation Project. Um, there's a documentary on it called We Still Live Here. It's really interesting. Like, you know, they go into the history, but they also go into finding or not finding, but re- like, you know, reclaiming their language, their culture, uh, and all, you know, sorts of things like that. And I'm a little bit biased because I know some of the people in it and they're all amazing. <laughs> we know it's short, but. Again, it's um, close to the holiday and there's not too much elaboration to why the day of mourning takes place or the significance of it. Um, so while you're celebrating and being merry, please be mindful that over this you know, next couple of seasons, because the season we're going into is another gathering one, there are still bigger issues in communities that are having, that are facing many issues that we may not often hear about and we should keep our ears open and support those uh, who want to support themselves any way that we can going into this winter season. Um, We appreciate all of you. We know we've been pretty sparse. Um, As many of you know, three of the four of us are in grad school. All four of us have work and other, other responsibilities. So we're trying to keep up. Um, So please keep patient with us as we navigate the the bumpiness um please rate download review and subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods um it's a small and simple thing you can do to help out the show um any way you can um if you like to interact with us there are a few different ways you can do that you can reach out to us on twitter instagram and facebook at operation hist um you can also shoot us an email at operation history podcast at gmail.com or you can view us on our website, operationhistorypodcast.wordpress.com. 
all of our sources and show notes for the episode will be uploaded with the episode whenever we get a chance to do that. Um, Thank you again for joining us here on Operation History, and we are signing out.